welcome back after a long, long hiatus to Writing the Right. Got a lot to say, not probably nearly enough time to say it today. So we're just going to jump right in and talk about our newest national swimming champion of uh, college swimming, the wonderfully brave and wonderfully strong and wonderfully courageous William, I mean, Leah Thomas. So are those his uh, preferred adjectives as well? I would assume so. I, I, I took that leap of logic because he chose to have preferred pronouns and uh, preferred opponents. Um, so he might as well have preferred adjectives um, associated with him as well. And yes, I'm calling him him. And yes, I realize we're probably going to get flagged for hate speech. And yes, I realize that the banner that I have across the bottom that clearly states the biological imperative that trans women are men will also probably get us uh, in trouble with YouTube and, and others. I don't care. I am simply stating a factual statement that is indisputable in the entire scientific world and really to anybody with eyes and, and half a brain cell. Yeah. Male and men is pretty much the exact same thing. So you can try to uh, separate biological sex and gender. It is useless. There's no point in doing that. Not only that, as we've said, countless times on this program, as, as others have said, um, like Matt Walsh, if you want to separate male and whoa, whoa, whoa. male and man, sorry, and sorry, female sorry. and woman, tell me what a woman is. Sorry. Um, just go for it. Matt Walsh, the best-selling trans author. You gotta put that in there. You're right. You're right. Best-selling trans author, Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh asked a very good question on Dr. Phil. What is a woman? Can you define a woman? And since you can't, you also can't define a man. And since you can't define a man, you can't tell me that it's not a male, not a biological male. Um, mm -hmm. They are. It is. That's all there is to it. Leah Thomas, who I mean, just... You, you just give, give all the stereotypes of what a woman is. Yeah. And, and, and then you're saying that gender roles are very clearly defined and that stereotypes of women is exactly what you believe they are because women must be the stereotypical woman. Or you say that's not the case, in which case, why is someone who can do all the things that you believe a woman can do, identifying as something other than a man, uh, if a woman can do what a man can do? I think the problem is, what we're really finding out, Mike, is that the age-old imperative, you know, the age-old adage that I can do anything better than you is really true when it comes to women and men. A man is better at everything, including being a woman. Men are better of the year. At, men are better at women swimming. Men are better at being woman of the year. Men are Women's the MMA. best women. Men are the best women. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of the the men that beat up uh, women on on an MMA. It's it, it literally brings tears to my eyes, Jeff. I cry every time I see it. So do a lot of the women that uh, fight the man. Yeah. 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 I wonder why. It, might it, be used the, to be, uh, it used to be called domestic violence. Now it's called sport. Bravery, Jeff. Bravery. <laughs> Courageous. <laughs> but but seriously, uh, the Leah Thomas thing has been talked about to death. But I really, to me, Mike, this is an important issue because not just because of the fact that everyone thinks that we want to punch down. We, it's transphobic. It's not transphobic. The reality is the right has been so willing for so many years to be afraid of being called homophobic, transphobic, sexist, um, misogynistic, bigoted. any number of other things, bigoted, racist, 
we are so afraid of those terms, all those negative terms. <laughs> We're so afraid of all those negative terms that we've we have succeeded in allowing ourselves to lose the culture war. And make no mistake, there really is a culture war going on in the United States and across the Western world. And frankly, it's making people around the rest of the world that, you know, uh, in Eastern countries and in the Middle East, it's making them laugh at us because the Western culture is imploding and eating itself as we get further and further away from any semblance of sanity. And it's important that we draw a line here. And while I believe the line was, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, it is what it is. We're too far gone on that. So we have to draw a line here. And we need to draw a line on the fact that women and men are not biologically the same women and men competing against each other in sports is not fair it is unfair to the hundreds of women that compete at the collegiate level in swimming that they had their chances at a national championship their chances at any type of future in swimming stolen from them by a man who was at best the middle of the pack as a male swimmer coming in and immediately breaking records uh, winning meets by tens of seconds, which is unheard of in swimming. Um, and, and you essentially, it, it was essentially like if you had LeBron James suit, actually I'll take that back because having LeBron James do this would have been like Michael Phelps in the pool. The women would have been on their first lap by the time he was done. So it's not even LeBron James. It's like having Alonzo morning, Alonzo morning. There's a good one. Uh, you may not even needed that. It might have just been a college basketball player who didn't make it to go pro going and suiting up in the WNBA, and they would immediately be the MVP, the finals MVP, <laughs> the scoring champion, the re the top rebounder. They, they would be great at everything except maybe assists because they would never have to pass the ball. <laughs> like the play is I'm going to drive past everybody and dunk. That is my play. Give the ball to Michael. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's so ridiculously asinine that we are having this debate. And the fact that people want to defend this by saying that Leah Thomas is brave for doing this and that everyone who's opposed to this is a bigot. No, women on her on his swim team came out against this. Women in collegiate swimming came out against this. Parents of those swimmers came out against this. And the NCAA has been terrified of doing anything so they sat back and allowed a man to win the collegiate swimming title for women yeah yeah and it's crazy because the their the teammates were like you know i support you in doing this but you are a biological male like i, I support your transition but you're a biological male and there's an advantage like have you seen in those photos where he stands like a foot above everyone else with shoulders that are with shoulders that are the width of two of them right like i'm jealous of his shoulders those are nice shoulders yeah that's the thing is is here's the reality is no matter whether we want to say this is wrong or not the reality is those women are you, you can say transphobic but they're not being transphobic they're not no one is out there saying let's lynch leah thomas no one's out there saying that this person cannot choose to do what they want to do but we're, what we're saying is there are two very true things that cannot go away number one is biology and women have a disadvantage competing against men in sports biologically that doesn't change you went through puberty as a man you have male hormones running through your system even though you've gone through hormone treatment you have more small uh, more fast twitch muscle muscle fibers in your body your 
bone density is greater. You are a you are significantly stronger individual. Number one. Number two. Um, also, don't forget um, your hip is are different, so you actually can physically have a higher speed than women. Um, you your, your body recovers faster. Um, what's another one I was going to say? I'm, I had a third one. I can't think of it right now. Oh, it's going to bug me. Oh, you have a less likely to like injure your knees, like because of like the way your hips and your in the calves uh, layout. It's like you just you're just built. You are built differently. You're built for, to be more physical. Our our jobs were to hunt lions, <laughs> and we're men, designed to do that. Men are built differently. It's just a fact of life. Yes. And, and here's the other second imperative that we cannot lose sight of, and this is why I refuse to call Leah Thomas a female. Um, and, and that's where people are going to get really hung up with on this is say, well, if you're saying you're not a transphobe, but you're just against the biological male competing against women, then why are you refusing to use his preferred pronouns? I'm refusing to do it because I also refuse to, this is the other thing that we as the right cannot, we cannot allow this to go. We cannot just simply walk away from the definition of words and the definition of language. It is imperative that we hold the line and say, look, we are not changing science. We are not changing language. We are not changing, you know, we are not changing accepted reality to bend to the will of the of a small minority of people who, look, I'm not saying that someone can't transition. I've never once in my entire, I've said children shouldn't be allowed to yeah. transition because transition children don't know what they want to do. Children would eat candy all day until they were dead, would run around and like, Children don't make decisions. That's just, that's the reality of being children. Well, so and it's crazy. Say. Yeah, it's crazy that the left's like, all right, yeah, you can transition at four, but at the same time, um, you need to be on your on your parents' health insurance at 26 because you're not really an adult yet, but we also want you to vote it at 16. It's like- You can transition at four and vote at 16. You can't buy a beer at 18. And oh, by the way, you shouldn't be on the hook for those student loans you chose to take at 18 because you didn't know what you were doing. So what, which is it? Are you an adult or not an adult? Is your brain fully formed or is it not fully formed? The reality is you can't have it both ways and the left right. wants us to pretend that we can. So it is, it is imperative that the right not give in on this. We cannot simply say, because you want to transition, I now have to change the definition of what things are. If you want me to call you a woman, but you present as a man, then you are a man. And just, and, and the reality is at what point did th this whole ridiculous reality that words are violence is, is a secession that the right has allowed the left to, we've made it for the left and it's killing us because yeah. words are by definition, not violence. Yeah. Words are violence. Violence, violence is violence. Yeah. That's, that's how they work. <laughs> Physical violence is violence. Words are not violence. Words do not hurt. Whatever happened to sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Look, I agree, I agree bullying can go too far. I agree that words have implication, but they're not violence. And for me to call you a man because you look, sound, and act like a man, but you're telling me that you're a woman, I'm sorry, that, that's not something that the, the reality of the world is that I have to accept that. And as soon as we give in and we let this line be crossed, there is no coming back. We've given in on too many other things. The right has to make a stand. And Leah Thomas is the hill to die on. And a lot of people around that I'm seeing on both sides of the aisle are saying, is this the hill that people want to die on? It is for me mm -hmm. because it means a lot more. If we're look, I'm all for equality. I'm all for people having freedom of choice, freedom to choose what they do to their own bodies. And that does not mean abortion, by the way, for anybody who's listening, say, ha ha. No, because that's not your body. Um, you made the choice when you chose to have sex. 
Uh, that was your choice. Now you live with the consequences of those actions. If you as an adult want to choose to take hormone treatment, to cut off your penis, to become a woman, fine, go for it. I don't care. But do not make me pretend that you are the same thing as a person who was born a female, as the same, you are the same thing as someone with an with XX chromosomes. You're not. You will never be a woman. You will never be able to carry children. You will never be able to menstruate. You are not a woman. Just like a, a man cannot have a baby, a woman cannot have a penis. That's not reality. And we keep giving in, giving in, giving in, giving in. No, it's it, enough is enough. Right. We, we make the mistake that um, we believe in free speech. So you can say whatever you want. It's like you can say whatever you want. Society doesn't have to accept everything you say, though. And we as society need to believe in science and truth. So I can say I'm a 47 year old woman and Jeff's job is like, no, you're not. And then that's how how free speech is supposed to work. I say something and then we talk about it and debate it. Yeah, unfortunately, we've gotten to the point where, as we talked about on previous episodes, I can say I'm a six-year-old girl and society just has to accept that fact. And I'm allowed to be adopted by other other people who are my same age. I'm allowed to go and be around actual six-year-old girls and, and expose my genitalia to them because I'm just a six-year-old girl. I don't know any better. That's the where society is gone. Yeah. And that's the problem. So, yes, this is a hell I'm that's going to die. That's went six years ago or whatever that that dude did it when yeah i believe it was six or seven years ago when we talked about it. like not when we talked about it but i believe when we spoke about it if i remember correctly it had happened in 2015 2016 something like that it was it was significantly long enough ago that people have forgotten about it in the in the 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 high speed world we have where everything disappears quickly um you know that's the problem is so yeah i'm willing to die on this hill we have to have some standard of truth and the reality is this is the this is the other reason it's important is we need to defend what real science is versus the quote-unquote science tm uh, because capital s science that's unquestionable that's infallible the one that turns is to a religion made up yeah. of consensus by, by only people that are allowed to speak that is not science that is religion Science is based on the actual objective search for truth and questioning of things. So if you want to say it, then Jeff, well, why don't, and you, that's question, why don't you question biology? The point is that that you say question, that's very important because science is supposed to be always evolving. Like we, we still aren't fully aware of like what gravity is. We, we had some assumptions, we changed it and, and we're still changing it. We're still changing our theory of evolution, which has, uh, I think definitely been proven false, but that's a topic for a different day we're still trying to understand the origin of our universe that's still growing but we can still say uh, a truth that gravity is 9.81 even if you don't fully understand it so even though we haven't gotten 100 of the human body down i'm sure we're close enough to we know enough to say this is a man and this is a woman Exactly. And, that, and that's my point. My, thank you for that. Because that's the thing is somebody could look at this and say, okay, Jeff, then why don't you question biology? Why don't you question gender identity? Why don't you believe gender is a construct? Those are questions. They are questions. The problem is they're not valid questions, right? They're the, the idea that I can set that you can separate sex and biology is that is a construct made to push an agenda. 
right? And like, I can go and point at numerous different things that show biological imperatives to sex and biology. And if you want to show me if, look, we, there are intersex people that exist. I understand that. There are, um, there are people that are, uh, there are women that are stronger. There are women that are stronger than men. There are men that are, there are more feminine. Those are all true things. And I'm not even saying, look, that everyone has to abide by typical gender roles. I don't really care. Live your life. It doesn't get my way. But the reality is we have to accept certain things that when you are a man who is a foot taller than all of your competition, who is stronger, who is faster, it is unfair for you to compete against women. And in the name of equality, we say that everybody can do whatever they want. Well, here's the thing is equality, equity, all these things get thrown around. If we're really going to have equality, then let's do it. Let's get rid of Title IX, get rid of all women's sports completely. And I mean this sincerely, get rid of them all and let everyone compete on their own merits. What we'll quickly find is that men are the only people competing in sports. Yeah. And that's not an, an attack you on have, You'll have, have just two divisions of, of men. Yeah. It's not an attack. There's not an attack on women it, because, look, I, have no pro- I don't have a problem with women's sports. I think girls playing sports is just as important as boys playing sports growing up. Yeah, you need, I don't you need see to any issue with that. Work on a but, team. But you will not find a sport, a physical competition, in which men cannot best women. Now, that does not mean every man can best every woman. It means the, the people the who are good men. at that thing are going to be better than the women who are good at that exactly. thing. Exactly. So NCAA, you have, what, a few thousand um, people? The, the best thousand, the, the best few thousand are always going to be men. You you may get, like, one girl every few years. Yeah. There, there will be women that can compete to some extent with men. That's that's and that's great. But if that's what that's where we're going, if you want to do this equally, get rid of Title IX and allow everyone to compete for the spots they have on the team. And if that's all men, then I guess women don't get to play sports anymore. Sorry, no girls go to college on scholarship for sports. It just doesn't happen anymore because you're never going to find enough women to oust all the male swimmers because there are a lot of male swimmers who aren't good enough to compete with the other men so they don't get scholarships but if you let them compete for the female spots they'll suddenly get scholarships mr thomas over here was ranked 462nd in the world overall in ncaa swimming the season before he became a female swimmer he just won the national championship and and just to give you some clarification on that in 2018 2019 which was his last full season as a man, not taking any hormones, uh, competing all against men, he ranked 554th in the 200 meter freestyle, 65th in the 500 meter freestyle, and 32nd in the world in, in the 1650 freestyle. So those are, you know, he moved in, in this last season, moved from to fifth in the 200 meter freestyle, first in the 500 meter freestyle, and eighth in the 1650 meter freestyle. So you're telling me that if you open this up to every guy that can't get a scholarship spot, that we're not going to oust 95 to 98% of women out of sports. Mm-hmm. You definitely will. Same with golf, same with tennis, same with bas- basketball. Certainly there are a lot of guys who are great at basketball that are not good enough to play D one. They go to D two and D three schools. You allow all those D one schools to have their women's team also played by men. Um, there will be no D2. There will be no D1 women's basketball. The WNBA will die because the WNBA, there's not a the single. WNBA is already dying. But... Well, yes, that's a separate. But but there's not a single WNBA player that can compete with the G League team in the end. Oh, no. Soccer also, by the way, the women's national team in soccer lost 
to 15 year old boys. And they didn't just lose close. They lost badly to 15 year old boys. They got blown out. So if you want to go down this path on the left, that women can, men can be women and women can be men, then cool. No more separate sports. Let's just have it go and let's see where it goes because that's what you're doing. Leah Thomas is the gateway to this happening. Mm-hmm. Very true. And I just want to point out, no one really cares about trans men competing in sports because they're not going to do well. Yeah, so, I don't even know that I've heard about it. There may be, because sure. I don't think they the, the reality is if they wanted to come, like mm-hmm. we've heard about trans women competing in the Olympics, competing now in NCAA, uh, NCAA swimming um, and a few others and weightlifting and things like that. You don't hear about it with trans men, women who want to become men because none of them would qualify for those events. No woman that's becoming a man is going to qualify for Olympic weightlifting. Good luck. It's not going to happen. You're not going to find a woman that's becoming a man that's taking testosterone treatments that is going to be strong enough to oust an actual biological man who also is taking testosterone. Like it, it's not that you're right. Nobody cares about it because I don't know that it's happened. And maybe it has, maybe I'm wrong, but I highly doubt it because I can't think of a sport they're going to come in and be better at. Even finesse sports like golf, there's a reason there's the LPGA and the PGA because men hit the ball a heck of a lot harder and a heck of a lot further. Yeah. What is a par four for a man is a par five for a woman, period. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have to start. They change the tees closer. And look, I'm not saying I can beat an LPGA. I can't beat my wife at golf. She's a better golfer than I am. Right. I can't but I am also either. not Tiger Woods. Jeff, if that is your preferred pronoun, <laughs> you call it Tiger, then go for it. So, yeah, it's, I am, you know, that's the thing is, I'm not saying that all women are worse than all men at things, but you take the best male golfers and you put them against the best female golfers and the competition isn't real. Yeah. It's not going to be a 50, 50. Serena Williams, the greatest female tennis player of all time, probably was at at one point was asked if she would play Andy Murray in tennis, who is not the greatest male tennis player of all time. He was a good one. He was not. Well, probably, yeah, probably what a decade she, older than her. She laughed time. it off and said she would never do that. He'd beat her in. He'd beat her six zero six zero in like five to ten minutes because the men. And she said she did not want to play against men because men serve faster, they hit harder, they move quicker. It's a different game, and that's even yeah. what she said. It's a different game, and that's the I mean, reality. You can see it whenever they do the um the men's and women play together. It's like whenever the man is serving to a woman, she can she can barely react. Like it's not even close. I'm sure you can pull up a, a few uh, links. Oh, I'm sure I could. Yeah, I will. But it's like when the man is serving towards the, the woman, the woman on her on his team is like just chilling because she knows like it's not coming back. So and and look, I know that Billie Jean King, uh, a famous female tennis player that many people listening to this podcast may not have heard of, um, from like the movie. '60s. Uh, I, mean, I guess that's true. Look, she did do a battle of the sexist thing where she fought, where she she played tennis against men, and she did okay. But first of all, she's an anomaly. Second of all, she still lost. Um, that's the reality. Is it's just a different sport. And, and am I saying I go out and beat Serena Williams at tennis? Not a freaking chance. I wouldn't score a point. But you know what? I'm not a professional tennis player. Jeff, 
again, if that if that's your preferred pronoun, or maybe I guess it's an adjective, professional. So your pronoun would be tennis player, and then your adjective would be professional. Yeah, I mean, Billie Jean King won when, I guess I should rephrase, Billie Jean King didn't lose the battle of sexes. She won, but she played against Bobby Riggs, who was a He wasn't like four years older? He, he was from, he was, yeah, he was in his 50s when he played her. Okay. <laughs> wasn't there also like some belief that he threw the game? Because he was like a huge, he was huge into betting? The, I have heard that, but I can't confirm it. So look, let's say yeah. she beat him fair and square. Billie Jean King, though, play, uh, played tennis against a man who was 55 at the time. Not a She didn't play against a guy who was in his prime. Um, so it's it's fine. There, it's, women can beat men at things. So, yeah. Some women are freakish athletes just like men, but we are going to see the death of women's sports if we let this continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've my, talked this uh, to death. I'm an athlete, and she will outrun me, outswim me, outbike me any given day. And that's fine. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a triathlete, though. Yeah, and that's and look. Never want to be. Never want to be. But if you put her in the tri in a triathlon against men who train for it, she's not going to win. No, I don't, I don't think she's going to place first against men. And I don't think she thinks that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked this to death, Mike. Want to move on? All right, let's do it. All right, I I, I want to talk about. So I'm going to throw a video up. Um, for you and everyone else to watch. This is a little bit old. I want to preface it that way. Mike and I haven't been able to record for a couple of weeks, unfortunately. It's a little bit of an old video. So this is less about a current events thing and more about a broader topic I want to get into. So um, I'll set the stage that way and then we'll kind of go from there. Some will say, okay, so are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution? Should the Constitution be thrown out? What do we do? Is it a living document? Is it a, or is it a sacred document? It's certainly not sacred, all right? The Constitution is kind of trash. Now, <laughs> let's just, again, let's just talk as adults first. What did you say? It's what? It's kind I of trash. Trash. It was, it was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody to look like me what they thought about the Constitution. Some will say, okay, so are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution? Should the Constitution be thrown yeah, out? Oh, still going. Yeah, yeah, I just killed it. So, okay, so that's from The View. That was a couple weeks ago, like I said. I think that was on March 4th. Um, yeah, something like that. And it was, and the man speaking, just so everybody knows, was Eli Mistel. Um, I don't know, I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation of his name, but he's an Alfred Nobler fellow and uh, a gigantic loser who has Dungeons and Dragons stats in his uh, profile for uh, <laughs> Twitter, just so everybody can see uh, strength. Well, and what's funny is they're not even good Dungeons and Dragons stats. They're they're actually exceptionally bad Dungeons and Dragons stats. As as a fellow, as a nerd and a self-professed nerd who has played D anD D much of my life, uh, strength twelve, Dex eight, Con fifteen, int- intelligence thirteen, wisdom ten, charisma fourteen. All very average or below average stats. So I don't know why you even post that. It makes you look like a giant uh, dweeb. But anyway, that's the man who's speaking. Embarrassing. But look, it's an old topic. Um, it is now March twenty second as we uh, as we currently record this, and that was on March the fourth. Um, I don't think it's important that we talk about the view because the view is a bunch of 
old biddies that are rambling for no reason. They're they're absolute morons. Not a single one of them has any value to this earth uh, at this point. But it is important that we talk about this topic, Mike, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Because this is what liberals believe. And this is what the left, what progressives believe. And the fact that this is not bigger news than it was, the fact that this has not been talked about by every single conservative congressman, senator, pundit is a problem because that is the core belief of their entire movement is that the constitution is trash, that it was made by people who are slavers and didn't care about anything but their own wealth and that the constitution at its core should be torn up and thrown out. That is what they believe. That is the fundamental issue facing this country is that one side of the country loves this country. The other side down to the very foundations of the nation want to destroy it. Yeah. So this is, this is the preamble. We, the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of Liberty to ourselves and our prosperity do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. What's wrong with that? Like, it's, it's not saying it's um, we, the, we the white people are declaring that all black people must be slaves now and forever. It's, this is the constitution is saying that we need to continue to progress um, and grow. So we were going to work to continue to build a more perfect union where we are now isn't good enough we, we will continue to grow and build as a nation that's what that's saying here's the, here's the uh, article on section one all legislative power is here and granted shall be vested in a congress of the united states which shall consist of a senate and house of representatives Am, well, I those representatives mike weren't black representatives and so they are therefore uh, immediately immediately discounted so yeah I, I agree with you look it, the entire statement is is asinine. There's no other way to put it. Well, there are, but uh, I won't use it because we try not to use much explicit language in this program. But I forget every now and then. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. It's it's this fundamental belief that the Constitution is not the single greatest governing document in the history of the world that puts our nation at risk. And if you do not believe the United States is unique amongst the world historically and currently, if you do not believe in American exceptionalism, if you do not believe the Constitution is a foundational document that is greater than any other foundational document in the history of the world, that it is the single greatest government document ever written by the hand of man, then frankly, you are not paying attention to the history of the world. You do not understand the blessing it is to be born in the United States of America. You do not understand the value this nation has brought to the world. You do not understand the wealth this nation has generated for its people. You do not understand the prosperity that this nation has seen, that it has brought to the world, the the, the relative peace this nation has brought to the world. And most importantly, you do not understand what it is to be an American. And the problem is, we have a growing number of people in America that believe this, that are educating our children, that are indoctrinating our children to believe this along with them, that the Constitution is fundamentally flawed, that there is a foundational principle in this country that is broken, and that the country cannot succeed with that as its underpinnings. 
And that is going to destroy America faster than anything else. Yeah, it really is. People who, who say they hate the Constitution didn't read the Constitution. It's a, a, a fantastic a legal document, but it's a legal document. There's nothing inherently racist or problematic about it. And the great thing about it is it allows um, for it to grow and change. So, I, like, what what other what? I don't understand when people say that what they want in the document. That that's my issue. Like, what what do you prefer for this to be put in this document? And they never have any response. Yeah, I, I think Mike, it comes down to this: is like you said, they don't have a response, and the reason they don't have a response is because it's not about what the document says. It's not about what the document is. It's about what the document to them represents, and it represents America. And to look, the reality is these people hate America fundamentally hate America. They do not believe in capitalism. They do not believe in prosperity. They do not believe in the middle class. And they don't believe in your ability to rise the ranks. Because the reality is, this is the only country in the world where you can be born poor and die rich. It really is. That happen, That can happen elsewhere in the world now. But it has been that way in America since the day the nation was founded. And you will never be part of the gentry part of the landed gentry, part of the aristocracy of Britain, no matter how rich you become. You will never be in the highest caste of India if you were born poor, no matter how much wealth you generate outside of the country. You will never be the supreme leader of China if you were not part of the uprising of the party. You will never be those things in other countries. You cannot be what you can be in America. You can be born on the streets with nothing to your name and rise through the ranks. And yes, some people are born with more and can achieve more because they have a head start. That's reality. That's life. That's the world. Deal with it. Move on. Yeah. Uh, but that, I have more, can be changed. I have more today than my parents had my entire life growing up. And that's because of two things. Because my parents taught me the value of America and the value of working. And because I valued America and the value of working and I've worked for it. And that's the American dream. The American dream, this is the this is another fundamental problem, is liberals and people on the left will tell you, and even some people on the right will tell you the American dream is that you can have anything you want. That isn't and never has been the American dream. The American dream is that you can better your position and that the generation after you, that your children can have more than you had and that your children's children will have more than your children had and so on and so forth. That's the American dream is that every generation can be better, is that every generation can get further. And that you, I, I'm not a billionaire. My child wasn't born into wealth. My child was born into a good position. Um, and maybe by the time he goes off, he'll have wealth to back him. Maybe he won't. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But the reality is whatever he gets, the goal is then that he can give more to his son, to his daughter. And exactly. so on. So that's the American dream is that you can have more than you had yesterday and that your kids can have more than you had that the American dream that the left wants to sell is that everyone gets the exact same outcome. Get, everyone gets the exact same opportunity and the same outcome and that you don't have to work for it. It's going to be given to you because that's the American dream they're selling is that work isn't important. And it is. Exactly. And you can see that when they, you know, make changes like in the 1990s where they go, um, owning a home is, is a part of the American dream. It's a fundamental right. And they, Cause the housing crisis. Because let's let's we let's this is what we're gonna do. Even though 
you shouldn't be owning a home because you have no money. We're going to make the banks give you that home. And because we're making the banks give you that home, we're also going to give the banks freedom to adjust the, the rates how they see fit to help, you know, balance their, their risk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you miss a payment, your rate goes to the roof. And then and the current scam, the current scam is the, the American dream is to go to college. Since right. when? Since 1985? Since 1990? When? Because that wasn't the American dream when my grandparents were growing up, when my parents were growing up. It's the American dream today because you've been told you have to do it. But millions of people who go to college are doing it not because it's their dream. Look, I wanted to go to college since the day I was three years old because I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah, I wanted um, to be an engineer, which required a four-year degree to do that. Yeah. I I knew I had to go to college. My brother's my brother's dream was to be a Marine. He accomplished that dream. Mm-hmm. He he completed the crucible. He he's a Marine till the day he dies, um, and that was his dream. And my grandfather's dream was to go to college. He wanted to be an engineer as well. He ended up getting a PhD in nuclear physics. My grandfather, my great grandfather, that was not his dream. His dream was to provide for his family. He worked in a factory job his entire life until he died. Uh, well, until he wasn't able to work and, and then later died. Um, that was his dream. He wanted to provide for his kid, but he protected his son's dream to go to college in a day and age when my grandfather grew up during the depression, when most people didn't finish high school because they had to go work to support the family. His, my grandfather understood the American dream. He was protecting his son's dream to achieve, to do something greater. Um, and my, you know, my parents' generation, Gen X, not everyone went to college. There were a lot of people who entered the workforce right away. Mm-hmm. And many of them have done great, great things. Of course. Of course they have. There are a lot, I mean, even in like in the engineering world, there are a lot of pe- people above us that actually don't have degrees. Yeah, like they, they were all, on the job because right, most like a drafter and then like, all right, you know, you know enough now to be an engineer. Go be yeah, an engineer. The, the reality is most of engineering, most of every job I, I've had a few, right. Um, I've worked my way up the corporate ladder and I've, I've been around and most of every job relies on virtually nothing you learned in school and everything you learn on the job. Yeah. And you're and, the, 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 I'm trying to think of the way I say this. The way you can achieve uh, in any job is just having like great communication. Like I know, I know engineers who are definitely better at being an engineer than me, but they are poor at communicating communicating that to customers or to other engineers. So it's like, yeah, not great at marketing themselves or to management either. I'm like, exactly. there are a lot of people who are a lot better engineers than me. Very few people my age who have better career than I. And, and right. because because of the things and that's the thing is that's the american dream is to go and achieve for yourself but they pushed like you said in before the housing crisis they pushed the american dream is to own a home so suddenly everybody and, and look i do believe in owning a home for a few reasons uh but it's not because it's sold to me as the american dream and that now they're pushing the american dream is to go to college everyone should be able to go to college for free because you know that's not creating a massive debt crisis in this country it's not creating a massive issue where people are getting degrees that don't matter for things they don't need so they can go and do a clerical job that needed no training right where you make you have a hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt and you make forty thousand a year when you could have done the exact same thing coming out of high school and of course, you can't get that job because that job has a four-year degree requirement. Mm-hmm. Even though you can literally have any four-year degree, and they're like, any, "Oh, any you, studied, you studied art history? Well, great, you can come be a receptionist here." Oh, you don't have a college degree? I'm sorry, you don't know how to answer the phone. 
Right. You don't know Excel. So that that's the problem. When, when the left pushes things like Eli Mistel pushed that the Constitution to bring this back, that the Constitution is a is not a sacred document when it very much is, is not a is not even a good document, that it's trash. It's not worth the paper it's written on. That's number one, it's offensive. Very few things offend me, but that offends me. Number two, it's a misdirect because the reality is saying those things helps you to push your agenda to he's living his dream. He's selling books about his garbage. He's out there being, he's out there pandering to people and profiting on this scam that he's running so that they can convince people the American dream isn't based on being an American. It isn't based on working for anything. This is a country that was founded purely on the concept that we are going to fight for what we want, for what we believe, for what we deserve. And the left wants to take all, all that away and say that everything should be granted you. Everything should be given you because the men who came up with this country, they didn't believe in you. They believed in them. You know what? They did believe in them. Yeah. And, and they believed in, in yeah, and But they also put their incredible wealth and their status and their stature at risk. John Hancock was the richest man in the colonies, the largest signer of the Declaration of Independence. Every one of those people that signed, if we had lost the war, would have been drawn and quartered or hanged. They were traitors to the crown. They put yeah. their lives on the line. They put their wealth on the line. They put their families on the line. So if you want to say they didn't believe in everyone, they didn't believe in what America is really about, bullshit. Uh, and, and I know we try not to use that language, but that's the only word for it. We, they did not believe in anything but themselves. No, I'm sorry. They believed in America because they put a lot on the line. If John Hancock just believed in himself, he had plenty of money to be comfortable and live in a British. And this, you think the stamp tax or the tea tax were really going to hurt John, John Hancock's exactly. ability to make money? No. John Hancock was rich and he was going to stay rich and he was going to die rich. But John Hancock believed in something different, and he put his life on the line for it. So did everyone else in the, in, in the founding of this country. So it is appalling to see what this country has become, where we are attacking the very fundamental ideas that America is built upon. Yeah. It's, um, it's to a very, very lesser extent. It's like when we talk about how high the gas prices are. It's like if gas goes up to $7 a gallon, it really doesn't affect my budget like that. Like I... I have to eat. I have to eat out a few times less. That's it. I'm not going to be like missing bill payments or anything like that. I complain about the high gas taxes because it shouldn't be high, and the reason is that they're high are because this, that, and the third. This is why why we do this. This this is why I talk about lowering the taxes. It's like I'm I can handle the taxes that I'm currently paying, but I think we shouldn't be paying this much in taxes. I think everyone should be paying this much in taxes. But if it stays as high, which it's a good chance that it will, it's really not going to impact my way of life. Not anymore. But, it, all true. But the other thing to keep in mind is, and this is something that hopefully you haven't lost, and I know, I know you, Mike, I know you haven't, but this is something I, I regularly work and make sure that I don't lose sight of because I didn't grow up. Um, you know, I, I, grew, I, I didn't grow up like, wondering where my meal was going to come from, if I was going to have a roof over my head. My, my father provided a very comfortable life for me and my, my family growing up, but I was definitely not wealthy. And my parents make more money now than I make more money now, actually, than my parents did when I was a kid. And my parents make more money now than they did when I was a kid. Um, and that, and, and the reality is while it, I agree with you, look, if, if gas prices go up, I largely work from home. I could, 
go out less. I can spend, it, it, it will impact my ability to have spending money and things like that to some extent, but, yeah, but it's, reality, it's, it's it really doesn't any money. It's, it's not free money, but it's not bill money for bills. But, and this is where, like I said, I know that you haven't lost sight of this because I talked to you, but I, I want to make this clear because this is something our, our all of our listeners um, should remember as well is that while it may not be for you, it may not be for me. It may not be for a listener. It is the difference between feeding your kid, paying your rent, making it to work for some people. It, 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 there are plenty of people that drive to work every day that if that gas price goes from $250 to $7, they're not sure how they're going to pay to get to work because they're not making enough money to make that actually feasible. Mm-hmm. That there are a lot of people that when the gas price goes up like that and the cost to heat your home goes up also, because that's also from normally from natural gas and other things, the cost to heat your home goes up and think, they're wondering, am I going to be able to feed my kid this week? Am I going to be able to make it to work? There are millions of Americans who are living that way. And that is also why it's important is to remember that these things that don't impact the, the people like Eli Mistel, who's out there, wants to spew his crap on the view that don't impact him because he's going to take uh, car service everywhere he goes and gets paid to go out there and rip on America. True Americans, real Americans who love this country suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like Pete Buttigieg saying, yeah, maybe you actually get an electric car. Like the average age of a car in America is 12, 12 years old. It's a, a preteen. And you're telling people to go out and buy a $40,000 electric car? The average price in America, uh, and granted, there are I know there are electric cars that cost less, but the average price of electric cars in America is fifty one thousand dollars. And and here's the thing, by the way, in in this current car shortage, in this current car shortage where it's hard to find a vehicle, Mm -hmm. uh, cars are you know they they tell you what the base price is, but every car sitting on a lot, if you did want to go buy a car, is not the base model. It's got a million things added to it. So even if there is a forty thousand dollar car, in theory, you're not finding it today. Yeah, you have to you have to customize to get the base base basic car. Yeah. So the reality is that it does cost more like 50 grand to get an electric car. Oh, and by the way, you still have to charge it. You still have, and and like you said, so you want people who are driving already old vehicles. Let's go trade that in for nothing and go buy a very expensive car that you now have to pay an electric bill to charge because they don't tell you about that because they don't want you to realize that your electric bill is going to skyrocket when you start charging your car every night. Mm -hmm. You know how the meter runs when you're charging a car? It's like, it's going bananas and the electric company loves you because you are making them a ton of money with your incredibly inefficient ridiculous car electric cars are awesome as a technological marvel that is fun to drive and think about they are incredibly stupid for the average consumer in the united states of america a country that is vastly spread out they work if you they work great if you have a lot of money and you have access to the free charging stations and you live in a city where you're not driving a lot of miles. They don't work well if you live in the country, if you live in middle America where things are spread out and far apart, and if you have to charge it at your own home at your own expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, who did it? I think Ford did a study. It was like, electric vehicles work on the coast. That's about it. Yeah. You can't, you can't get it in the Midwest, you can't get it um, out west, uh, the south doesn't really work either. Yeah, the, the the west is the best place to to use it as an example because look, I grew up most of my life in the west, partially on the west coast. I lived in California for a number of years, then Colorado and Texas. And in the west, 
everything is far apart. You take Texas as an example, Colorado, you're driving an hour to go from town to town because there's so much space in the West and a lot of the population density is very small and then you're spread out. So if you're going from place to place, you're taking a long time. Just to go across Dallas can take you an hour because of the geographic spread of the city. So across the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and that's an, essentially one area. So in places like that, it does not make sense to have an electric vehicle. And again, they're extremely expensive to begin with. They are not better for the environment. That is a proven statement of fact. I am not against Tesla or electric car. I'd love to own a Tesla because I think they'd be fun to drive. Right. But You're only 16, what, two seconds? 1.9. 1.9. If you have a plaid. Because I mean, so, so, so they're, they're super, they'd be super fun. I don't have a problem with them as a technology, but the United, and maybe they work better in places like Europe where everybody is very, very close together and people don't drive that much. They do not work well in the United States of America, which is one of the largest landmass countries on the planet. Yeah. There's a reason why we don't have trains stretching across the United States. And frankly, those are more logical than a freaking electric car uh, ser service all over the U.S. Because we don't – the other thing is Mike and I have talked about this before. The electrical grid in the U.S., if everyone who has gasoline-powered cars today moved to electric, there's not enough cars out there. But let's pretend there were. You would shut down the electrical grid in the United States. Yeah, immediately and constantly. There's nothing, nothing you would be able to do about it. The electric grid will probably take 20 years to update in order to be able to handle – yeah. The and the only way you're doing it, by the way, part. is if you build a bunch of nuclear plants, because if you try and do it with solar and wind, good luck. You will never generate enough power in this country to, right. to power everyone on electric cars. It's not physically possible. Well, it's funny. Not unless you bulldoze every house in the United States and put solar panels or wind or windmills there. Yeah. It's funny. I was, uh, I, I was watching a, a podcast on Joe Rogan. He had like a, um, two, two people that talked about the climate, but one of the guys was talking about how like, Texas runs mostly off of solar and wind. It's like, okay, that's Texas. It's also not a lot. That's also not a true statement. He, he talked about like peak days. He wasn't talking about on the average. He didn't say that. I had to look it up. Yeah, like, there's been like I was going to say, that's, that's also not true. Texas has a very uh, fossil fuel dependent electrical grid. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was funny because the, the guy on before him, um, they, they did two interviews, and the first one was like, yeah, I believe in, in um, climate change and all this stuff. I just think that some of this is a little extreme. And the other guy went on and was like, that guy is completely lying. He, he doesn't know anything he's talking about. We need to go with 100% uh, solar and wind. Or maybe nuclear. I don't know. It's like, guy, you're, you're way too animated for me to take you seriously um, talking to talk objectively. You know what's funny too is I, mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent too much, but what's funny about the whole renewables thing is that everyone only talks about solar and wind, which both of which, by the way, are highly inefficient, uh, ex extremely inefficient in, in power generation, and also use a lot of fossil fuels in the creation of their parts. But no one talks about hydroelectric, which is much more efficient um, it is. use of space, uh, and also in application in a lot of parts of the U.S. The Hoover Dam right, is a yeah. giant power plant. Um, no one talks about nuclear. We know why that is because there is a, a vested interest by the left, which is largely run by progressives and former hippies who think nuclear equals bomb. Um, yeah, we, we could have fixed our energy issue 20 years ago. If we just kept building 
Um, Germany had that. until they shut them all down. Right. Germany, Germany was, was and Germany didn't need all this Russian oil until you know they shut down all their nuclear power plants. Yeah. Luckily, France didn't do that, and France is still doing mostly okay. Yeah. I think they're like seventy so, percent nuclear or something like that. Something like that. So yeah, if we built nuclear plants, we nuclear is actually by far the most the best renewable energy source out there, and it's the cleanest. So because everyone, oh, nuclear, yeah, the only, nuclear the only waste, CO2 nuclear waste is buried so far down that it affects nothing. Yeah, and that's very true. And like the new plants, you can actually recycle the the nuclear waste over and over again, and actually make it inert. Um, but what I was going to say is, uh, the only CO two emissions you get from nuclear is from like the cement you support. The production of cement that's it once it's made it's 100 clean yep and it's reliable and it will run forever right there there's so there's plants that have been running for like 20 years past their estimated life whereas mm -hmm. windmills and solar panels solar panels need to be replaced every 10 years and that's in that's a that's an uh a conservative estimate actually it depends on the weather in the areas too because solar panels are extremely easy to damage Mm -hmm. So in places like Texas, where there are large solar farms, uh, those solar panels are also heavily damaged by spring storms that bring golf ball sized hail, as we saw in Texas last night. Um, those storms can damage solar panels quickly. So solar panels and, and not to mention solar panels only work when they're getting direct sunlight, <laughs> which if you get cloud cover or anything like that decreases their energy production. Um, Solar panels in general to power a normal size subdivision requires an acre's worth of land of solar panels. That's for a subdivision normally. Um, so let's power a city. Okay. You are going to need essentially a city sized solar farm. Or bigger if you're in the Midwest, because you have to account for the, the change in, in angle. So solar panels in Texas, they're closer to the equator. They, they get more direct sunlight, but if you go, uh, hundreds of miles, thousand miles north, then they become less efficient just because of their location. Yep. Also, the weather in Michigan sucks. Mm, half at least, yeah, at least five, six months of the year. Yeah. Solar panels don't work when they're covered with snow. <laughs> Jeff, you're talking about solar energy gets through the six inches of snow, no problem. Wind, windmills. With the layer of ice on top of that. Windmills require massive wind farms to generate the same amount of power. That's the thing. Like everybody talks about these renewable sources, but we, we picked the two least efficient renewable energy sources. That take up the most space. Like just go take a, a football size or a few football size area, put a nuclear plant there and then power the city. And you're done. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be done. It'll be safe. It'll be in. Cause the thing it's is done for the next 40 years. And there are other things, like we said, there's hydroelectric, there are, um, geothermal is also a good one. What? Geothermal. Geothermal is good there. You can harness the power of waves in on the tide, which by the way, is going to be there until the moon is destroyed. Mm. So unless Hopefully, this is Dragon Ball Z, you're fine. I was about to make that I, I knew where you were going. So I wanted to shut you down. <laughs> Hey, in uh, totally random news, but uh, in in the world of anime and manga, the biggest thing in 25 years of One Piece was in the last chapter and this coming chapter this weekend. I am super freaking stoked. It is like the biggest thing that has ever happened in the entire 25-year run of One Piece, and it's amazing. Nice. Very I exciting. am on episode 70. 
Hey, that's further than I thought you'd get. Yeah, it's yeah, normally, normally I make it to like six and then start over. A yeah, year from now. the the manga spoilers dropped, and I, I do read the spoilers because I cannot wait. And um, I so I read the spoilers, then I read the 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 uh, scans, and then I read the actual official release um, as they drop during the week. But ten forty three was the biggest cliffhanger in in One Piece history, and chapter ten forty four drops this week, um, and it blew up the internet before the spoilers were even out that like it is humongous also one piece officially the number one selling fictional work all time by a single author mm -hmm. uh, past uh, harry potter very nice with over half a billion units well i'm sure the um u.s comics sucking is helping that out well also in the u.s comics don't technically have they're not a single author Oh, like okay. Superman, Batman aren't a single author, but if you take all of Superman and Batman sales, One Piece has sold more than more than Batman and just under Superman. But if you actually add in, Superman also gets counted for uh, differently. Um, whereas if you counted the Shonen Jump issues that have been printed with One Piece in it, not just the manga volumes themselves, um, then One Piece has sold like over seven billion things <laughs> and is way above everybody else. Wow, that's crazy. So anyway, off that was way off topic, but yeah. So um, this discussion of energy and everything started by talking about the left and their hatred for the Constitution. I just wanted to bring that to light because I, I think it is important that we keep that front and front and center. That is that and this culture war um, issue that we talked about the Leah Thomas thing are to me two of the most fundamentally important things that we on the right need to be focused on is reestablishing a love of America and a love of the objective truth that exists in the world. And without those two things, this country cannot succeed. No, because without those things, you have chaos and chaos by the definition, by definition destroys. <sighs> All right. So I could go off on the one piece thing for a while, so I won't. Because uh, we have a different, we didn't tease this earlier, by the way, but hey, nerd topic, in case anyone was curious, uh, very obviously is going to be the Batman review. Um, it's been out for a couple weeks now, and Mike and I haven't even, Mike and I haven't spoken to each other about it. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, looking forward to that. So we'll save some time for that. But Mike, what do you think? We got time for maybe one more topic? Sure. What topic are you thinking? Uh, I was thinking the uh don't say gay bill or realistically more titled, more likely and more accurately titled the don't groom me bro bill. Um, uh, but we've got a few other options. You think it's something different or you want to talk that one? Yeah, let's do that one. All right. So recently in Texas, the quote unquote, don't say gay bill passed. Um, and that has, that has garnered a lot of attention uh, by the left. Um, Disney has come out against it. Disney employees wanted to stay staged a walkout over Disney, not being harsh enough on the state of Florida for it. Um, people all over the country are up in arms about this supposed homophobic, uh, fascist don't say gay bill. But what the bill really says is that teachers in kindergarten through third grade are not allowed to speak about sexual orientation um or sex or sexual identity gender identity with kindergartner through third grade students so i really oh by the way espn also jumping on the bandwagon as part of disney had a two-minute moment of silence during the ncaa tournament for this uh, 
I would like to understand why the I, I think I do understand, but I'm going to ask the rhetorical question of what is so important to the left about grooming small children to be sexual deviants that this is important to them, that they would go out on a limb here to try and make stake their entire identity around the idea that this is heinous, this is a heinous act by the state of Florida to stop people from talking to kindergartners, so five-year-olds, to third graders, like eight-year-olds. Why do five and eight-year-old children and everyone in between, five, six, seven, eight, why do those children need to talk about sex, sexual identity, gender identity, um, sexual preference? Why is that a topic for those children? Whew. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question, Jeff. It's probably because they're all pedophiles. Well, it's funny you say that because <laughs> our current Supreme court, uh, justice nominee <laughs> has been answering some questions today about the fact that she gave very light sentencing to convicted pedophiles, uh, and recommended light sentencing for pedophiles. So I, they're actually, you say that tongue in cheek, Mike, but there's truth to the statement that I think there's a growing amount of pedophilia and pedophile pedophile apologist syndrome on the left. And we already saw, like we saw a large um, uh, pedophile pedophilia ring taken down with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, who somehow we know about every single person who donated to the Canada freedom convoy. We don't know a single person who paid for child sex acts uh, on Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, black book. So that's interesting. Um, we know that that in, involved a large number of people on the left and the right, most likely. Um, we, okay. you know, a lot of large sure numbers. It, it was powerful people on both it's sides. It's all rich, powerful, disgusting perverts. Um, and but we do see a lot of people on the left starting to talk about minor attracted persons, and you know, pedophilia is a disease like alcoholism. You know. Can't it can't you know you got to stay away from that beer because if you have one you got to have twelve, got to stay away from that playground because if you see one kid you got to rape a dozen. Um, that's just uh, it's just the reality of the world, guys. But honestly, they, the left has stuck their neck out on this so far that it's and it's, it's weird that more people don't seem to care. That's, that's what, what I'm confused about. That's what bothers me. This should be. This is right up there. We talk about the culture war. This is right up there with the thing we should draw. We should draw a line in the sand because the Ron DeSantis is, is brilliant because he dressed down reporters over this. Reporters asked him about it, and he and he said, "Is you know they asked him about the don't say gay bill, and he tore him apart." Talking. Mm -hmm. What's funny is that same reporter. Um, I can go find the clip if you want. The, that same reporter actually posted it on his Twitter as if it was like a win for him when he <laughs> looks stupid. Um, but you know. The, Ron DeSantis is a genius because he realizes, look, this is an issue that parents around the country, going. right, left, middle, don't matter. They all agree with this. But the far, far left really believes that the majority of the country thinks that this is an okay thing. And so if they can push it hard enough and make it sound enough like this is about silencing gay students – that they can they can drive this as an election issue in Florida, and the reality is, I think there are I think that they're going to put themselves out over their skis on this and and fall 
because this is not remotely about silencing gay students. It's about stopping teachers from indoctrinating students with sexual identity and gender theory and things like that at an age where they shouldn't be talking about those things. They should be no. learning their ABCs. They should be learning arithmetic and they should be learning cursive maybe. Um, yep. That not talking about why does – because the example I heard, by the way, Mike, is I've heard a lot of people saying, well, what if a teacher gets asked, why does Jimmy have two daddies? That's not for the teacher to answer. You know what the teacher's answer should be in that situation? You should talk to your parents about that or you should talk to Jimmy about that. Not you should talk to me about it because it's not my job to inform you about everything that goes on in the world. I am a teacher here to teach you this curriculum. Yes, I'm here to teach you this first grade uh, math. That's it. Yeah, I, I'm not I, your counselor or anything like that. I'm not your parents. That's a question for your parents. And if, and if the teacher wants to call the parents and say, by the way, Tommy was asking about this. I, it's he's a, a heads up. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. No, nobody said the teacher couldn't do that. That's not in the bill. But what it does say is the teacher can't answer that question for the student. And they shouldn't because I don't want a teacher answering my question, my kids' student questions about that. That's not your role. And you better not do it. Yeah. Yeah, so this the bill is actually a parents right bill and that's part of the thing that's, that's included to it um so right. of, yeah so one of the things or i like about it is like if the student is having um going through like something no i'll just read it um so in accordance with the rights of parents enumerated in ss blah 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 adopt procedures for notifying a student's parents if there is a change in the student's services or monitoring related to the student's mental emotional or physical health or well-being in the school's ability to provide a safe and supportive learning environment for the student so you can't student or uh schools cannot hide information from parents this is what the bill is about and part of that bill is you we the schools cannot talk about sex or gender identity for small small kids i don't i don't understand why this is such a big deal but that's because people don't actually read the bill. The bill is four pages long. It's an amendment. So like only two of the pages actually matters. And, well, and it's it's funny, Mike. It, it, partially you're right because people don't read the bill. The other reason it's a problem is the people who did read the bill holistically disagree with two things. Number one, they disagree with parents' rights. That's become apparent over the last few months or year is that schools do not want parents to know what they're teaching. And you only need to keep that a secret if you need to hide the agenda you're pushing um, because you know it won't be commonly accepted by parents around the country. So school teachers unions around the country and teachers around the country have been up in arms about the idea that their curriculum has to be exposed, that their teaching has to be exposed. Um, if maybe if you were teaching math, it, you wouldn't no have to worry. Care. I don't care if you teach my kid two plus two is four because that's your job. But I care a lot if you start teaching my kid that he might be a girl who, and he just doesn't know it. And he was born, born with the wrong genitalia. I care a lot about that. So that's the other reason is because some of the people did read the bill and they know exactly what it is and they don't like parents' rights and they don't like the fact that their ability to indoctrinate young children is going to be taken away because the earlier they get them, the more they can indoctrinate them. If they're not allowed to do that early on, then by the time the kid's in fourth, fifth grade, you may not be able to convince him that he's actually a girl. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's the thing. Like when, when we watched that, that transgender um, movie on HBO, those were like young kids, six, seven, yep. and, and I think one was 16. One was a one teenager was... who I believe, if I remember correctly, regretted it. 
Yeah. And then there was that one that said that I'm free now at the end. But we'll see. Yep. We'll see if it lasts. So, yeah, I think it's it's a combination of people who didn't read the bill, like you said, and a combination of people who did read the bill, know exactly what it means, and realize it's going to take away their ability to do something they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Because it's not their job, it is not their place, it is not their role, but they're doing it anyway because they don't care. Yeah. And because they, do, they fundamentally don't believe that parents have rights. Mm-hmm. And that children are the are the responsibility of the parents. They believe that they have the right to indoctrinate your children. I did find that Ron DeSantis clip. If you'd like to see it, I'm going to show it for our listeners as well because I think it's funny. So it's a few weeks ago now, uh, again, but Ron DeSantis absolutely eviscerating this guy. And mind you, the reporter who got eviscerated in this clip is the guy who posted it online on Twitter as if he somehow won the won the game. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. It says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and. Um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're gonna make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. Absolutely flawless. And this is why Ron DeSantis should be the next president of the United States, by the way. I don't think he's going to, I don't know if he is going to. I think he may feel that he needs to be here um, in Florida, keeping as like the last bastion of freedom. That that may be, that may be the case. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I hope that's not the case. I'm just telling you, I believe he should be the next president. Oh yeah. Yeah, Whether or not he will be uh, the Republican that comes forward, I don't know yet. I agree with you on that, but he should be um, because of things like this, because mm -hmm. he didn't, he didn't take the, the Trump approach of this, like, of just being indignant and like sometimes trump does that and it's great because he needs to do it this was much better he said what's it actually say yeah it does say that but what's the other thing it says oh yeah, yeah. grades what's pre-k the, through three my... we're not talking right. about 12th grade students right where's the second half of that sentence let's go ahead and finish that up for us yeah we're not talking about 18 year olds we're talking about five-year-olds so yeah maybe that's why people don't trust the media is because you spread lies and it was brilliant it was true. perfect it was yeah. is absolutely fantastic of DeSantis. And I do genuinely find it hilarious that the reporter who asked that question, who, in my opinion, got eviscerated by Ron DeSantis in that oh, clip, posted the clip. And his name is Evan Donovan, by the way. Um, and he posted as if somehow he uh, is is brilliant for doing this. Like, do you not have any concept of reality? You, uh, of course you not. understand that most people saw this and realized you're an idiot. Yeah. You lost in the exchange, completely lost. Wasn't even close. It'd be like if Kamala Harris posted the, the clip of Tulsi Gabbard destroying her. Or if Kamala Harris posted, I don't know, the clip of her in Poland with the Polish president or the clip of her um, talking about, what was it recently? She was talking about the passage of, have you seen the passage of time clip? <laughs> she said it like four times. I got I to pull it up. It's just, it's too good. And oh, then we can move on. But Kamala Harris's oh passage goodness. of time clip. 
like there's a, there's a person that I follow on Instagram that like does a parody of her, and she's not even a parody anymore. It's like I'm just gonna do a direct quote of what you're saying because <laughs> what you're actually saying is funnier than what I could what I could come up with. Yeah, it's because she's there's nothing you can you can't parody somebody who is a laughing a walking laughing stock. All right, I got that. I got the video, so I got to pull the it. governor and I, and we were all um, doing. All right, let me pull this back up because this video is just funny. It's there's really no listeners. I, I'm pulling this up mostly to point out this woman is a heartbeat away from the presidency of the United States of America. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here, and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time. Right, the significance One. of the passage of time. Two. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time three, in terms three. of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time four, when four. we think about a day in the life of our children. That was a 32 second clip, people. She said nothing in that 32 seconds. The best part is I, I'm not even hundred percent sure she knew what she was up there to talk about. She's up there talking about something to do with accessible internet. And I, I don't know if she even knew what she, she's, she found a phrase and she's like, I'm just going to keep saying this until mm, people like leave this. me alone. I like this. The media won't care. They just there's, won't post it. There's such great significance of the passage of time. You know, we need to talk about the significance of the passage of time. And, mm, and you know, what's great oh, yeah. is the significance of the passage of time. Yes, the passages of time. Like, oh, Yo, wow. dog, I heard you like passage of time, so I had passed some time while you were talking about passing the time. <laughs> oh, I miss those memes. I do too. I miss that show. Pimp My Ride was a was a hilariously stupid show. I love the fact that they didn't actually like, oh, yeah, actual engine problem? We're not going to fix that. <laughs> we're not going to make a car run. But look, we put seven PlayStations in here. It's going to be parked in your driveway, but it's worth more than your house. Right. And because you're driving this car, I'm sure your car won't get stolen. I'm sure it's in a fantastic neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, that show was actually kind of great. It was. Oh. All they're, right. They're on um, uh, CMT, the country music uh, television. They're doing like a pimp my uh, 18-wheeler out. Oh, my gosh. That actually became it for me. Well, that's funny though. Some of those sleeper cabs are already pretty pimped out. Yeah, so that those was truckers cool. that do overnight trucking. Like some of those yeah. things are freaking crazy nice. Exactly. So like that one actually made sense. Like I'm actually going to use this PlayStation because I live in here. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Those guys like that. They drive long haul routes and they literally live in their trucks. So that at least makes sense. But yeah, that was the funny part. It's like I drive this truck. I drive this car to work every day for five minutes. Oh, cool. Then you probably need 18 different PlayStations and a, and seven TVs. Of course not. Of course. Oh, I heard you like table tennis. So we ripped out the <laughs> yeah, we ripped out the seats. You turned your fourth <laughs> to the computer. I know you have kids, but they can sit on the table. Uh, I did love picking him around. And the best part was that the exhibit was <laughs> the, the host for apparently absolutely no reason. Yeah. I think there's only one episode where the car was so bad. Like it's like I think they bought him a new car. Yeah, the two cars like welded together. It's like, yeah, we can't legally work on this. So here's a new car. That was the only I do remember when they bought him a new car and then they pimped the new car. That guy actually made out pretty well. Yeah. Well, apparently, like you have to like pay for those modifications. I'm sure you do because MTV wasn't paying. 
It's like, so why don't you take my car, pimp it out? It's like, oh yeah, here's a bill for fifty thousand dollars. I know your car is only worth five hundred. Blue book value on this is thirty five fifty. Uh, you know, cents. <laughs> so, so we decided to put thirty thousand dollars worth of electronics into your car, but we wired it up in a way that it's impossible for you to get it out on your own. So you can't even value uh, get the value back. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right, you want to talk to Batman, or you want to talk any more politics? This is Batman. All right, Batman. Then I can go get something to eat. So I'm getting hungry. You haven't eaten yet. I mean, I have, but that was hours ago. Hmm. Uh, fair enough. All right, so my opinion on the Batman has changed since the night I saw it. I'll start with that. Mm, interesting. Um, interesting. Not not 180 degrees, so I didn't like flip on the movie completely. Mm-hmm. But the, it, my opinion has changed. If we had done this review like two days after the movie came out, like I initially had planned, I think I would have given a different review. I'll start it that way. Okay. What about you, Mike? Any teaser statements? Uh, I think so. I won't. I won't give my opinion, but I saw the opinion of Ben Shapiro, and I thought he was like way too extreme. I didn't his... see his opinion video, okay. largely because I don't care about his opinion on comic book movies. But I would like to hear what his opinion was, summarized by you. Yeah, he was. He was pretty much complaining that it was a, a, a giant woke movie. And I did hear that from a couple Daily Wire sources, and I will 100% say that is a garbage take. It is. Like, there was two statements, three statements that could be considered woke. But, spoiler, it was a poor person talking to one of the richest people in Gotham. So, talking about privilege, it, it kind of works there. It kind of works there. Yeah, well, and here's the reality. It's like, look, okay, so it's a woke privilege statement. The one of the people, there's a writer at the Daily Wire who reviews movies, and the name of this person escapes me at the moment. I can go look up the review if I need to. Eh, Um, But this is the same person who also wrote that the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, was very woke. I saw that movie. It's not woke at all. There's literally nothing woke in the movie except for the fact that the person replacing James Bond is a black woman. If you want that to be woke, I guess you can make it woke, but it's in no way, shape, or form do they talk about it in a way that makes it woke. She just happens to be the new person in that role. I do not care about that. That is not woke. That is just a black woman in a role. Right. There's a a way to, like, introduce, um, like, black characters or, or ch- changing the character from, from white to black that makes sense that well, and see, and the the they didn't even change the character either it's like james bond had essentially retired from mi6 and so a new person got his call sign of 007 which logically makes sense because it's not his it's just mm-hmm. the call sign of the person doing that job and that the new 007 is an agent that happens to be a black woman but when james bond comes back she's not being called james bond she's just the person doing his old job that is literally it it's not woke and the same person before the Batman came out, I was a little bit worried because like my, I, I was talking to my brother. He said, I've heard it's really woke. And then I read the review and he and I talked back and forth. And I was like, this is the same person who said James Bond was woke. Their opinion means nothing to me because James Bond wasn't woke. And I read their review also. And I like not the spoiler portions, but I read just the, the overall things. And I was like, everything they're talking about is complaints about stuff that is central to Batman as a character. Exactly. Like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. Like, there's always been a big mm-hmm. weight. Like, there's always been a big rich poor disparity in Gotham. That's part of what makes Gotham the way it is. I mean, is that's, it like that's every rich, major city. 
Well, it, it is, world. but I mean, just in, in storytelling purposes, Gotham has always been that way. It's like it's corrupt. The rich people are corrupt, and they and the poor people in the city are put upon by the, that. That's kind of what makes Gotham Gotham. Yeah, it's um, like we have the the old money um, that's been around for generations, and yeah, the wings. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've been in, they they have power because they literally founded the city. That's that's kind of what happens. Yeah, if I if I started my own city, I'm pretty sure I would be an important person in that city. Yep, and my kids so, would be a, an important person in that city. It's yeah, that's so the stupid. thing. It's it's not it's not woke. So I didn't read Shapiro's uh, thing or watch his video, partially because I, by the title of it, I thought that he was going to rip the movie. And like, I don't care if you don't like the movie, you can rip the movie. But yeah, that reasoning, but that reasoning, is ridiculous. Ben Shapiro went into it looking for a reason to say it was woke. If you thought it was woke, you're, you're looking for it. You you had to find you had to make it woke for it to be woke. It it wasn't. It just wasn't. No, not at all. And even and I will say so. I'll give a little bit more detail about my review as we're getting into this, right? Cool. So my initial thought about the movie as I walked out of it was good, not great. That was how I summed it up. It was it was good, not great. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was a decent Batman movie, but was it as good as some of the recent stuff? Have was I really into it? And initially, I was iffy on it, but none of that was due to wokeness. It was due to pacing of the story, and I thought some scenes drug a little bit and things like that. The more I've been away from it, the more I've had time to reflect on the movie, I'll typically change my opinion in the, in the retrospect. On movies, that's rare for me, but the more I've been away from Batman or from the, the Batman the more I've actually respected the pacing of the movie and actually looked at it as there are still elements of the movie I do not think are great. Um, there are things I would change, but that's true of almost every movie I've ever seen. Um, there are very few movies I would say are just genuinely perfect. But the further I'm away from it, the more I actually like the movie in retrospect and realize what they are what they accomplished in that movie is so unique to Batman movies and comic book movies in general that it deserves a heck of a lot more praise because it mm -hmm. did something no other comic book movie has done. It took the character out of just being the action star and made him something else. It made Batman. And I liked this even at the time, but I didn't, I didn't like it as much. Like during the movie, I was like, wow, I really like how much he's solving a crime, but I didn't like it as much as I do. The more I think about it, I'm like, you know, they really did make this a much more psychological movie and much more, watch batman become batman watch batman solve this big big crime it was very very well done yeah so i i thought the pacing i mean actually i agree with you which is funny um i thought the pacing was that is funny so i did not think you were gonna agree so i thought the pacing was was off at first but i think it's because i'm so used to when i think superhero movies like marvel 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 really fast exactly this is like a, a nice slow burn that as you I'm, I'm gonna hopefully see it again this weekend that it's gonna get better and better with time so mm -hmm. i i really feel have you seen it more than once already or no only once i've only seen it once as well i do want to see it again yeah and it's it's a long movie that i, I would love to sit through again um so what i loved about this movie and also what i loved about like joker is it's a great movie that just happens to be about a superhero character like you could take batman out and replace him with like a disgruntled de detective and the movie still works like 95 percent. besides the you know actual bat suit and stuff like that but and like with joker it's like a 
a person going through having mental issues and, and going insane, getting pushed too far. Well, you can do that with any person. Like there's always there's been movies with a guy gets pushed too far and it just snaps. See what's Marvel funny movies is don't do that. Marvel movies like this is a superhero movie. There's nothing deep about it. These the Batman was like a great deep movie that you like left like thinking, and you also could not predict what was going to happen next. That's also what I love about it. So what's like, funny is so I agree with you on what's funny that you say that is I agree with you 100% on the Batman. I don't 100% agree with you on Joker and and not to make this about Joker but I I agree with you in in some of the state like the Joker is a great movie about a man going nuts. I like the bat the Batman is a fundamentally good movie that you could take out and make it about a detective and it still works. I agree with that. But because it is about Batman, I think it adds a layer of depth to the movie. Joker, I don't think that's true. I think Joker is a great movie that they happened to pretend was about Joker that in actuality has nothing to do with the comic book character of the Joker. I love the movie as a movie. If I think of it as a movie about a character that I have known about my entire life that has been around for 80 years, it is lot, it literally in no way related to that character. Um, because I do not believe the Joker as a character in essence can exist without Batman, um, for a number of reasons. And, and so, and that's not meant to dog Joker. Cause I think Joker was a great movie, but I think it accomplished something totally. I think Joker, you could make it not be titled that, and it would be the exact same movie. Batman was a great detective movie, but still was fundamentally a Batman movie as well. Mm-hmm. So when I think of, uh, like joker i think of like movies like um falling down mm-hmm. or that that movie um with leon dicaprio when he's on on that island shutter island, shutter island. it's like the those are all within that that same realm so i agree mm-hmm. with you that um he's not really joker because he he needs to be against batman to actually become uh what joker is right now he's just a a crazy guy a, a crazy guy yeah but yeah and, that's, that's and, my point it's like but in the sequel, though, because it's also like his origin story as well. And, yeah. and depending on the origin story of Joker, it's like he became Joker or a crazy guy, a criminal crazy guy. And then once he ran into Batman, he amplified it. And if, they like did, and if they do that, that would be, I mean, like I said, I like the movie Joker and I would definitely see a Joker sequel. I just think mm-hmm. I've never been a big fan of Joker as a Joker movie even since the first time I saw it, because I thought Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job, but I thought it was a great movie about a guy losing his mind. I didn't think it was a great movie about a a supervillain becoming created. Um, And maybe that's just the way I view comic books, but everything else you said, I agree with. And Batman, the the Batman, I 100% agree with you. If you took Batman out of it, the movie can still be a great movie. Mm-hmm. But because Batman is the central character, I think it adds a layer of depth to the oh, movie that oh, makes the crime more interesting. Definitely. Um, like the other thing, I, sorry, go ahead. So, so yeah, like the, in the trailer, there's a, the part where he's like just beating the crap out of people. That only really works with the Batman. That that part in the scene that um, rolls into it, that it rolls into, that only works with Batman because it was like a, a fear element that you won't get with just a detective in like a trench coat yeah like it needs to be the batman like there's there's certain things of him you know actually flying <laughs> like you can't just have a detective like all right just pull out my, pull my trench coat and, and guide down so there's it, it, it would be interesting work. yeah ah, boom. 
So yeah, I agree with you. But I, and that's why I said like ninety percent in the movie still works with like a disgruntled detective. That's. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I completely agree. And like I said, I, the more I think about the movie, uh, being away from it, the more I genuinely liked it um, and, and actually think it might be the greatest Batman movie made. I will not. I will say this. I do not think Robert Pattinson is the best Batman that's been on screen. I still believe that he's not. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to say I didn't like him. I actually am very if, – if they don't greenlight a Robert Pattinson second Batman, I will be freaking pissed because he was great as Batman and could become the best Batman depending on how they evolve the character in future films. Um, mm-hmm. But currently, Battenson is still not my favorite on-screen Batman just because there are elements of the character I didn't think were as well done as um, Batfleck. Uh, I still think Ben Affleck is the best on-screen Batman. I realize that the version of the character is different. He's supposed to be older, more grizzled, and that wasn't really it. To me, it's more of the way he moves, fights, and acts that was more, uh, to me, a on-screen representation of what Batman really is, uh, even right. in the early stages. Because even in the early stages of Batman's career, he should fight a little bit more in the shadows than than Battenson does. Um, but those are very minor. Look, those are things that like takes a movie to me from being perfect to just great. Um, and it's it, to me, it was not a huge deal because I loved everything else about the movie. The other thing I loved that this movie did better than any other Batman movie has ever done is it made James Gordon a major character in a way that made sense. And it showed and the relationship yeah. and, and it showed the relationship between him and Batman that they really are more like partners than they are just a dude who happens to be a good cop and Batman. Like James Gordon had some very important story beats in the movie that the movie doesn't work without him. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that Gordon, like, I thought um, J.K. Simmons as as Gordon got underutilized in Suicide Squad. Oh, oh, 100%. Or, sorry, in Injustice League. Um, and, and, and which is sad because I think J.K. Simmons is a phenomenal actor. And yeah. I was excited for him as Gordon. Now, he supposedly has a very major role in the upcoming Batgirl film, um, which is cool. Makes sense. But, um, but yeah, but he, Jeffrey he definitely. Has, Sorry, I was saying like uh, J.K. Simmons was just just like an exposition point. Like, yeah, you're here. Let's, let's explain some things to you so the audience knows what's going on, and then we move on to the next thing. That's exactly. that was his own, only purpose. Yeah, he was he was totally underused. Um, so I thought that was a miss. Whereas in this movie, I thought Jeffrey Wright as Alfred or as uh, Gordon was phenomenal. I think he did a great job. I think the relationship between him and Robert Pattinson, Batman, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one relationship I thought was not done well in the movie was Batman and Alfred. I did not like, I, for two reasons. One, I thought like some of the relationship things that, okay, they're not as close as they later become. That's fine. That's a storytelling choice. I don't necessarily agree with the storytelling choice, but it's, it's okay. I won't go into more detail to, uh, cause I don't want to be a spoiler for anyone who somehow hasn't seen the movie that's been out for three weeks. But, um, you know, I, that, that's a storytelling choice I don't have to agree with, but I understand, so I'm okay with it. My bigger problem is you've got a fairly big actor in Andy Circus as Alfred, and again, I felt like he got kind of pushed to the sideline when he could have been a, b- a bigger part of the film um, and should have had more screen time. Uh, look, it's a movie about Batman, not Alfred. I get that, but Alfred's a central character to the Batman mythos. And I thought that when you're bringing in an actor with the gravitas of an Andy Serkis, somebody who can play a role really well, uh, I think you should give him more screen time. That's like one of the things I love the most about the Batman uh, movies with Ben Affleck is that Jeremy Irons is my favorite on-screen Alfred. He, he's great. 
he because he's an out because he's actively engaged in Batman's mission as Batman. And you see that you see him helping Bruce Wayne, which is something no other bat, no other Alfred has done. The Alfred in Tim Burton's movies is like some super weird, creepy butler who looks like he is about to die. Um, Michael Caine in the in the Christian Bale movies is an interesting character, but he's never really developed, and he's kind of just there on the sidelines. Um, um, he was more helpful in the first one. Yeah, in Batman Begins, he was a little, but he doesn't do hardly anything. Like in Dark Knight, he has the one big moment where he says some men just want to watch the world burn, and that's essentially his entire point in the in the whole film is yeah. to help Batman that's realize awful. the Joker's just Joker. Um, yeah. But Michael Caine's not a great – he's not a great uh, Alfred in my opinion. I didn't think Michael Caine did a good job. Uh, Jeremy Irons is the, only, the first Alfred – that you can look at and be like, yeah, he helps Batman. He could be the guy helping Batman. He just makes sense in the spot. Andy Serkis had that opportunity and they didn't develop it in a way that I thought they should have. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's my only thing is I'm assuming that they're turning this into a trilogy. So I'm hoping that that incident that brought them together is actually going to show up, show up more in the next movie where they I, actually I are closer. I think it could, and it would be cool. Um, I also think that they have an opportunity here to do something no one else has done, which is to have an actual child, Dick Grayson, that uh, Batman takes in because they're sh clearly showing the development of, first, this movie was all about developing him as Batman. I think the next movie can show you developing him as Bruce Wayne because mm -hmm. he's got to learn to play both sides and he's not doing that yet, which makes sense for the character in this age frame. Exactly. And, you could, and, and a major thing that develops Batman as a man is the develop the relationship with Dick Grayson? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he actually learns the the father figure role. Um, so yeah, I would I would actually love because um, you know he's young enough, Addison, that they actually start with like a a teenage Dick Grayson and like or even younger and like actually age him up and turn him into Nightwing in like real time. It would be amazing. I, I don't know if they will. But I feel like Warner Brothers will find a way to miss the opportunity. Um, but it, it, there's a major potential there. And you're right. If Alfred and his relationship develop further, my criticism retrospectively might become less big. Um, I just felt like it was, I didn't feel like they utilized a, a big actor to play the role the way they could have. Um, yeah. It's I was like, really um, big fan of Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Yeah. It's like when the movie's that long, you should be able to develop more of the characters. And exactly. I understand that you have to like, every time you do like a Batman or Spider-Man, you have to spend so much time on them because there's, so many other um iterations he's like all right this he's different um from all these other characters other all these other um iterations and this is why so it, it takes a lot of work to do that mm -hmm. i get that but you also have to do that for uh alfred and and gordon and any, any other character that's also been on screen and they, they, they didn't they didn't miss the opportunity with that 100 percent agreed uh with everything you said um, the, the only other comment I think I have in terms of characters, well, I have two, I guess, is Zoe Kravitz. I was very skeptical about her as a uh, Catwoman. blew me away, was phenomenal in the role. Um, the best Catwoman by far. Not that she, to be fair, um, didn't have a huge bar to, to jump mean, over. Halle Berry's um, kind of up there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Halle Berry's Catwoman, uh, was atrocious and Hathaway's Catwoman was really bad. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was not terrible if you it's view it in the, if you view it in the concept of what the movie was, but the movie itself is freaking weird. Um, yeah, this is a Tim Burton movie. It, it, like, 
honestly, aside from like Julie Newmar from the 60s, uh, <laughs> there's not been any decent Catwoman. Uh, but Zoe Kravitz, even even if I had pretended that all the other Catwoman had been great, Zoe Kravitz really, I mean, she was phenomenal in the role. And, and someone that you want to see the Selena Bruce relationship develop and come back. Like I, I don't typically, I don't think you need to have certain characters in every movie, but like her Catwoman needs to be in every movie they do with Batman, mm -hmm. uh, with, with Robert Pattinson, just because she's the, it's the first time they've ever had an on-screen Catwoman where the chemistry with Batman is so real is so good that you're like, yes, I could believe that Batman would continue to let his guard down around this woman, which is yeah. the character Catwoman should be. It yeah. should be the person who disarms Batman. Exactly. And she's the only Catwoman character where you also care about the Selena Kyle, Selena Kyle portion. Yes, like, that is actually, she's actually like a fully fleshed out human being. And the other one's like, I'm Catwoman. That's it. Yeah, the other ones or, are. I'm a weird regular. lady who fell out of a cat, fell out of a window, and somehow came back to life because of cats. Yes. Um, in Tim Burton's movie, I'm uh, Anne Hathaway. I'm just Catwoman. You know nothing about me, and I'm because. really, I'm really a terrible actress. So I shouldn't be in this movie. Um, Anne Hathaway's freaking garbage, dude. She sucks. Um, I mean, I always only I really can think of her in is like romantic comedies. So, but the, the bar for being in a, in a romantic comedy versus being in a I won't say not a, a real movie, but in a, a movie where like a movie with the attention of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's two different things. Well, like I'm sure she was like good in The Devil Wears Prada. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, I would assume so. <laughs> well, let's go with yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I loved Zoe Kravitz. Um, my other comment was on the kind of the, the two. There's really three main kind of villain characters that are in the movie. There's uh, Falcone um penguin and and obviously the riddler right um paul dano's the uh like role as the riddler was great it was it was a largely it, it was great for i don't want to spoil a lot so i can't say a ton but it was good because it was funny there's enough that i can say without spoiling that like a lot of it they've shown in the previews is him like talking on essentially basically youtube videos like this where <laughs> you could totally see it like they don't do this on the screen, but it would be funny and it would have fit if they had been like, if he goes into his diatribe, he's like, hey, don't forget to like and subscribe. And this has been brought to you by Blue Apron. Now back to my plan to destroy Gotham. It would have, it would have fit. It would have worked. It would have Paul worked. Dano That's did right. a great job. It was, he looks like, first of all, the dude looks like a serial killer. I, I did not know that until this movie, but uh, I would not be surprised if he has faces of real people yeah. on his walls. Yeah, uh, like to, get, to, get in, to get into the, the role, I actually did take off a few faces, you know, just to get in the mindset. And I like the fact that, like, um, Matt Reeves pretty much already said before the movie came out, like, obviously, like, the costuming and some of the things he does, like the cipher, it was, it was Zodiac um, uh, inspired. And you can definitely see that there's a lot of similarity to what the Zodiac supposedly dressed in and things like, and, but it was, it, it fit. It just was a cool concept. And, yeah. and his, his Riddler was the only on-screen Riddler that's actually been good or interesting remotely. Um, it was, it was really cool. Uh, Penguin. I could not believe that was Colin Farrell. Like, exactly. I, like I actually told my dad at the movie, my dad went with me and, uh, I said that like as the movie started, I was like, "That's Colin Farrell." I was like, "Wait, really?" <laughs> like, I was like, "No, no, they're, they're lying to us." He's that's not that's not really him. But he did a great job. He, he's not a huge part of the movie. It's mostly Riddler, but he was really good. And Falcone was really good. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought the villains in this, this is the best bat, Batman movie for villains, hands down. They were the most developed and they felt the most real. I don't know. I'm saying, I think saying what killed the dinosaurs, the ice age is it's kind of peak <laughs> villainy right there. That, that's the best villain, but that, I mean, that's always implied. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I really Ice hold that off. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do any more. We're going to do all of them and get distracted. Um, I really hope that for all of his villains, they're kind of based on real serial killers or something that are just merged into uh, a villain. I do, with the exception of if he does. And Matt Reeves has said he may never even do Joker. But with the exception of Joker, Joker is such an otherworldly character that I do not want it to be based on reality. Make the Joker as weird as the Joker is, because there's nobody in real life that's anywhere near the Joker. That's fair. That's Everybody fair. else, I agree with you, because it may, you can find a real world person to base it on. The Joker needs to be based on just like genuine insanity, which I think I, I have high hopes for what these movies can become. I I love the movie. I know you need to get going to go eat, so I'll, I'll kind of wrap things if you need. Um, but I was real when I first walked out of it, like I said, I would probably give it a three and a half or a four star review. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. The more I've thought about it and reflected on it, I genuinely love it. I think it's probably the best standalone Batman movie that's been done. doesn't mean it's my favorite Batman for a couple of reasons, but my favorite Batman movie, hands down, Mm -hmm. uh, it is better than the dark Knight, which I didn't think I would say, because I love the dark Knight. but this is a better movie start to finish than the dark Knight is. Um, and I would say it's probably, it's not perfect, but it's four and a half stars easy. Mm, I got to think about this. I'm trying to think of if there's, if any of the flaws is enough to downgrade it for me. Cause I'm really tempted to give it a five stars. I know I did, did some complaining, but at the end of the day, it's a origin movie. So I think, I think I'm, I'm going to give it a five, five out of five. And depending on the sequel, and I'm hoping that the things I complain about get addressed in the sequel. So if the sequel, the sequel can downgrade the the first movie. Kind of like the Force Awakens. It's kind of like the Force Awakens when it came out. If the sequel had been good, which it wasn't, if it had been, the Force Awakens is genius because the sequel sucked. You look back and you're like, oh, the Force Awakens was because you have no creative ideas. Um, So yeah, I could get that. I'm going to stick with four and a half just because for me, it, it wasn't perfect, but it was... He was as close as as, as uh, anything's gotten for me in a while. It was amazing. I really genuinely enjoyed it. It was a three-hour movie, which I'm always a fan of longer movies because I feel like you get your money's worth and you get to develop characters. This movie did not feel like three hours. There were some individual scenes where I watched and I was like, this doesn't need to take this long. Yeah. Um, but the movie itself, I didn't feel the length. I thought it was good. I thought it was well done. Um, last thing I... I'm sorry, but I was gonna say like there there were a few scenes like you could have ended this 30 seconds sooner. Yeah. Overall, three hours did not feel like three hours. Yeah, I agree. And then um, the last thing I was gonna say is just you made the comment about um, um, I lost my thoughts, so you may not have to hear it. (laughs) So yeah, uh, a really good movie. I I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend uh, to everyone to go see it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You need to see this. And I think you need to see it multiple times, really. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think the I think it's a movie that, like I said, kind of grows on you. Yeah, it weirdly enough got a really positive review from both of my brothers, who are very one brother doesn't see a lot of movies, the other brother is highly critical. And normally, like I was more critical of the movie walking out of it than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me made that's what kind of made me sit back and think. And, and I started to think about it. I was like, a lot of my complaints are are big. Um, I, I think I just, you know, was looking for reasons to not be uh i didn't want to become a sycophant like i've done in the past with other dc movies and and be more objective but it was it was the best thing they've done in a while so thanks everyone for listening yep oh really quick guys um the batman is dropping on hbo max april 19th so yep. if you want to watch looking... it the second time in movies it'll be on uh hbo max soon i'm hoping to go see it in theaters again but if not i'll watch it on hbo max six or seven times yeah <laughs> and then i'll buy it on uh, 4k Exactly. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.